Hi, I'm Andrew. And I'm Jason. And I'm Martin. This is Hemispheric Views. You're supposed to do that before he starts. Oh, I always get it wrong. <laughs> That's right. He just likes doing such things because he knows that yeah, I'll include it. Will. In my it's going to pop up in my future. Yeah. <sighs> it is a Martin edit as well. Bugger. Is it? Oh, yeah, it is. Uh, and uh, just on in economic corner, I want to bring to the attention that people mm. probably have heard that in the US, in our Northern Hemisphere, mm-hmm. there's been an interest rate yeah. rise by the Fed. Uh, similarly, in Australia, there's... Look at him talking about the Fed. <laughs> the Reserve Bank of Australia is, is signalling that mm. we should expect an interest rate rise in the coming months. Yeah. Previously, they talked about that being 2024. They've brought that, that forecast way forward. Mm. Concerns about an outbreak of inflation in the economy. We've suffered a long time with underinflation, and now I think we're probably mm. going to find that we're going to an overinflationary environment. It's challenging, it's concerning, and I... And with everybody on this, we are also are doing our bit. OnePrimePlus.com is not inflationary. We're not putting our prices up. No, 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 we're not. What I loved about that whole spiel, listeners can't see that Andrew was waving a pen around (laughs) the entire time he was talking. So it just had this, it had this boardroom feel. I just, I could feel the business flowing through me. Can I also add to that, that not only is he waving a pen around, it's one of those bank pens. So it has a little piece of chain coming off from where he took it from the bank. Careful, don't, don't put it around your neck, (laughs) Andrew. You might get a bit enthusiastic. So it's, it's, it's getting real over here in economic corner right out of the gate. I'll have you know that. And it says Feld, it says Feld notes on it. It's a Feld notes pen. Yes. Oh. <laughs> right. Still to this day, I don't get an email from them and not think that it says Feldnotes every single time. The Feldnotes pencil. I'm glad that I polluted your mind with that. Feldnotes pencil. That's an easy fix. That's just wood. You can just sand <laughs> off the eye and you're good to go. Speaking of spending, though, mm. did either of you order anything from Apple's recent... March event. Everyone else has already spoken about it. We're a bit late, but did either of you actually buy anything? Yeah, that was what, two weeks ago now or three weeks ago? I slept through it. I don't know. Yeah, that will, that was interesting because we usually do a little Discord powwow with everyone during those type of events. And in the worst possible timing, right, I think maybe five minutes into the event yeah discord just broke completely like worldwide and went down for everyone so that was interesting and annoying but side tangent anyway as far as buying things the long answer is no and the short answer is i did buy a watch band oh which one the mm, the naming i'm gonna get it wrong it's the solo braided loop solo loop braided something some of those words are probably accurate Mm. in flamingo very nice oh and you're wearing it right now wow that is it's like the brightest pink you could ever see it's fantastic it's quite nice i think it's solo braided is that the fluoro elastum what's up no this is the one that's like the little pieces of rope that are oh, okay. right. braided together. Yeah. Not the floral. Yeah, the floral elastomer. elastomer one is the, like the sport band one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or the sport loop or whatever it is. Solo loop. Just not the braided one. Nice. Yeah, that was all I got. Well, I guess it, it, 
within the household, we do have a studio display coming as well. Ooh. Valerie ordered a lovely studio display vase mount. Okay. Nano textured screen. I just want to ask quickly though, Valerie with the vase mount, is that going to be from the desk or is she going to go for like a kind of dental or surgery setup with something from the ceiling? From the desk, um, we both have desks that the the Jarvis fully fully Jarvis Jarvis fully whatever they go up and they go up and down the like the stand isn't hang on, isn't isn't Jarvis the computer that controls Iron Man yes so we use him as our desk because okay. he's just he's a little antiquated nowadays with the M1 Ultra being a thing so and since they wrapped up that particular part of the franchise you know in the game and everything they had to relocate him somewhere so now right. he's in desks. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he's like the old big Cray computers that look cool, but they're just useless. So we just use it as a desk. Okay. Are you talking about like tape reels and stuff? Mm-hmm. So you, ha- so if you have one of those giant tubes, eh? like the classic sort of office environment. Like, I, I don't really, I, okay, can I confess for a minute? You can't. I don't really understand. I don't really understand vase amounts. I've never really lived with one. I'm, all I know of them is they're like, they have tubes and then they have like an angle bar. And they sort of go up and down and spin around. But they always look really shonky. They can be. And the only ones I've ever seen are in work environments where they've just gone for the cheapest possible thing. So ever, my my sort of impression of a visa mount is I would be scared to use one for fear of it snapping and dropping my expensive Apple monitor. So point of clarification, the vase mount is actually just the standard for which the monitor attaches to a thing. It's basically a fancy way of saying there's four holes and they're X millimeters apart in a square. Oh, okay. So that's all that is. So the arm, the vase mount itself, yeah, you can get one that's 14 cents and will probably, you'll walk in one day and your monitor will be on the floor. And then you can go all the way up to, you know, however much you want to spend on one. So there's the full range. Most of them are garbage, but you can get ones that you would feel comfortable putting even a XDR display okay. on and it would be fine. Okay. But then, then you have full adjustability of height, tilting, doing whatever you want with it. And uh, yeah. Okay. So Martin, go. Uh, so I was in a state of serious mental turmoil over whether I should buy a studio display. And I was on the verge of buying one. Because you have an M1. You have you have a mini, right? You've got like the perfect computer for it. You have the M1 mini. Yes. Yes. Now, the thing is, I have what is actually a very decent and I like it. It's a 4K display by Samsung, not 5K, obviously, like the studio display. There's nothing technically wrong with it. The thing, the thing that appealed to me about the studio display was actually the enhancement with the uh, height adjustable stand mm. in addition to the tilt, yeah. just because, you know, ergonomically it makes you kind of sit up straight, you know, because it's higher up, you're not doing this lean forward business. But then I was thinking, God, I've bought quite a bit of Apple stuff recently. And in Australia, even with discounts, when you add that stand, it's on the way to $3,000. Like it's uh, huge. Um, and I was thinking, well, why would I go and buy something right now with it without at least having reviews out to look at it? And then there was this whole other thing, and this is more of a first world thing, but wow, that's a lot of money for a display. And all the videos I'm taking now, particularly for family are in HDR quality. This doesn't have it. Is that a problem? Would I ever notice? So hmm. I haven't written off buying it. I am like thinking about it constantly, <laughs> to be honest. But um, I thought, no, step back, actually think about it before just yeah. 
yeah throwing cash so i haven't bought one yet we'll put it that it's way it's definitely above the uh shoot from the hip type of range of money for sure yeah and the funny thing is that a lot of the american reviewers who you know are covering it i think they've been very fair some people have said no this is great this isn't so great wait for that software update with the camera and so on and they can only really comment on their own pricing in the us but i sit there watching and i go i need to find some more australian or new zealand new zealander reviewers who go this will cost you a good chunk of your salary and maybe one of your digits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little different than people here being like, "Yeah, it's it's fairly affordable at fifteen ninety nine." Yeah, and you're like, "Yeah, how about double that?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, it does hurt. I don't know. I think I just need to be a bit more realistic and sensible about it. So we'll see how I go in future episodes. So the Mac Studio there is one point five million dollars. <laughs> is that roughly accurate? Starting, yes. Yeah, starting. <laughs> Yeah, I did a quick. I did, Not even for the old. I chart. had to look at it real quick without doing any configurations. I just looked at sort of the base, mo- the two default models. Yeah, and it was starting at three thousand one hundred or something like that, and then the uh, okay. the other one was six thousand. <laughs> like, oh, jeez! <laughs> oh, it's huge. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> And look, I'll say I think it's great that they've introduced these models. I think it's really good that they're committing to. People who want to do creative stuff, I don't want to use the word professional because that's loaded and people have different ideas, but people who want to do more creative stuff that requires a bit more power, it's great that people are being served in that way now. I just think sometimes Apple could maybe remember that, you know, not everyone can necessarily afford the entire puzzle that you have to put together to make said package. Each thing on its own seems just reasonable, but you put it together and it's huge i'm just still amazed the fact that the mac studio is like we flash back just a few years when there was the when the mac pro came out and then every blog post was about Mm -hmm. this thing can be forty six thousand dollars and it was like and now this thing is just like leaves that in the dust Mm. and it was a mere couple of years ago yeah and it's one I don't know how much smaller it is, one-tenth the size. One, You could carry it with you if you wanted to without wheels that were another $500. It's just, yeah. it's bonkers. That This is the most extreme thing we've seen so far, and we're still on M1. Yeah. Like, the first one. I, I have not bought anything from that event either. And I don't, mm. the, the monitor would be the only thing I'd be interested in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the M1 series itself is still totally fine for the things I do on the computer. Absolutely, it's fine. I, I never hit the ceiling of that thing. Um, I'm talking talking to you today on an iMac, which is still an Intel iMac, and it's mm. what 3.1 gigahertz six core i5, and it's fine. Like, I have a problem with this thing. I feel better about the fact that the monitor in this is the same one as what's in the new monitor, so that makes me feel a little bit okay about things. So I haven't bought anything, although I am getting pressure from my wife, Hannah. She works from an M1 MacBook Air, um, and she tends to put it on a little riser and then use a magic keyboard and have the, you know, it in front of her. But she does suffer from not having a a reasonable size monitor. And she saw that and said, hang on a second. <laughs> and I'm not. Oh, so she's still using. She's just using the built-in display, just up on yep, a stand. Yep. That's right. Okay, yes. got it. Natasha does the same thing. She likes yeah, that. And, and yeah. Hannah doesn't mind it, but it's yeah, you know, it's it's only the 13-inch Air. You know, it's not a big monitor by any means. Yeah, you know, I know she's constantly 
toggling between screens and things like that. So I think that will be a really nice upgrade for her. And I think we will probably end up getting one. Mm. And I feel okay about it because it had the old cinema display. Forever. Forever. It was like, yeah, yeah, 10 years that thing lasted. I don't see why this one won't last an equivalent period of time. So it's expensive. I'll prob- I would probably end up as getting the non-height adjustable because I'm tight. <laughs> but I might spend on the nanotexture. You just throw a block of wood under there. It's <laughs> Exactly. Fine. I've got dictionaries. <laughs> Do you know what I'm most excited about? When I hear that you might buy this, Andrew, mm. something we haven't made fun of you about for a while. Yeah. Oh. I remember that you were very, very panicked or at least mildly stressed about the depreciation over time with your old display. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, to add it and then here in like a decade's time if we're still doing this show, I am so excited for the future to hear just how miserable you are about the economic implications of that display. Yeah. It's just going to be like, you know what? I got the height adjustable and it's still costing me $8 a That's week. That's right. Look, I've just, br- I've just brought up the spreadsheet now. That cinema display, just to remind people, uh, it cost me twelve. <laughs> it cost me $1,299 on the 15th of January, 2011. Okay. And I got rid of it. For two hundred dollars on eighth of February twenty twenty one. So overall it cost me a thousand ninety nine, right? That is two dollars and nine cents per week. Hmm. So that's what you're looking at. And this one's gonna be more expensive. So I even put it through But it has a camera and speakers. <laughs> the other, and center when stage the price and... came out, I actually went through and did one of those um age of my like, I said, what is this this monitor in Current, yeah, you know, I did the currency conversion for time, basically, mm. to figure out is this equivalent. It, it basically is. There's not much difference in it. So there you go. Yeah, and that's why when people say, "Oh, Apple products are getting more expensive," that's not always true. Things do adjust over time. For me, it's always that. Why does the entire package, in order to make it usable, have to be so much when you put it all together? Mm. Yeah. Just clarify. So if the entire event with these brand new amazing chips, M1 Ultras fused together silicon, incredible stuff, the Hemispheric Views crew came out with one watch band. Yes. I wanted to bring up an article that I saw floating around the place, uh, connected in tweets mainly, and it was actually linked to stuff that's going on with, you know, sadly, Russia and Ukraine at the moment. And it was this point about how in Russia, you know, Moscow particularly, things linked to Apple or Google Pay had been shut down because of everything that's going on with Russia at the moment and what they're doing, at least their government, and how private corporations or publicly traded corporations like Apple and Google have this kind of hold over public infrastructure. So there was this shot that was shared of all of these railway passengers who couldn't get through the turnstiles because their devices wouldn't work with things. Some people disputed whether it was true. I found some articles to say that it was true and you know they'd verified it, but it was more the extent that might have been misreported. Either way, I thought it brought up an interesting point about how much we depend on companies that aren't part of the state, you know, corporations and this digital stuff on our wrists, in our pockets, on our desks for stuff that we do every day, which might have once been the responsibility of the state or taxpayer funded things. What do you two think about this? Because the thing that came up for me was I, as an example, thought I'm going to shift to the watch with things like payment and wallets and stuff. And if I can leave my wallet at home, that's great. Or maybe not even use my phone. I'm going to be traveling in a minimalist way. But now I'm thinking hmm, maybe I should carry some cash around occasionally for that emergency. Maybe starting with 
you, Jason? What do you think about all this? Yeah, I, I think for the most part, this is a big deal in light of what's going on, but I don't think this is a new problem per se. I mean, this sure. this could be said for any time frame under any kind of worldview that we're in. Everything can be going along great and XYZ company can just decide, yeah, we don't want to do that anymore. And now your stuff doesn't work. So I, I don't know. This has always been an issue. And this maybe is just an example to remind us that, you know, keeping everything in XYZ company is maybe not going to be as foolproof as we thought. For the most part, stuff generally works day to day, but any given, you know, month, it seems like you will be online and it's like, oh, half the internet has stopped working. What happened? Oh, AWS went down or, or like something like some backbone went down and now all of the self-driving taxis have stopped working. So it's like, whether it's on purpose or not, this is just a general problem that needs to be dealt with. And I mean, the internet was mostly designed to work around those problems, but most of the infrastructure built on top of the internet that's supposed to work around problems is not built in that way. It's built to work a very specific way that that company wants to, you know, maximize shareholder value or whatever. I, I get it. And I think this is one of those examples that has maybe changed the narrative a little bit around what companies can control in when there's like hostile situations like this. But I just, I'm not sure that this is anything new. And I have to imagine this has probably been true throughout time, right? Where you don't own the railway and then the railway company decides, yeah, we're not letting trains through today. Well, shit, that just ruined a lot of people's days. So I don't know. I, I think it's definitely an issue, but I think it's a larger issue that we need to look at in terms of how much are we willing to let go of control of our stuff to for the convenience of having it held by a corporation. What do you think, Andrew? I've picked up my pen because mm. I feel like I almost am ready to go on a major rant about neoliberalism and the damage it may be doing to society as a, on a broader level. Go for it. I'm ready Man. for the pen. I can't wait for this. I don't okay, think I should do it, though. I don't think this is the forum. People don't want to hear that, do they? But because I've got the pen, I'm, fe I'm feeling very intelligent holding this pen and waving it around. It changes me, changes my mentality entirely. I'm going to start doing this on a regular mm. now, just having a pen the pen truly is mightier than the sword oh, jesus i think what is this is this is a, an indicator like you said of how much we have delivered parts of ourselves to corporations all right mm. but and this in the case was apple and google but i think you could go a step back i think the larger problem is you would say we have divulged our lives to visa and mastercard Sure. Because all of those payment gateways end up going through Visa and MasterCard, right? And we don't use cash anymore. It's positively looked frowned upon to use cash because you might also be transmission, transmitting a dose of COVID as you pay for your meat pie. Basically, you've got these payment gateways that are managing the entire world economy. So, which brings me to another political point now is why the heck aren't Visa and MasterCard also stepping out of the Russian economy. Hmm. hmm. If they really wanted to make a statement, we know that Nestle hasn't stepped out yet. Now, I am jumping all over the place here and probably not answering your question, Martin, but I've got the pen, so I'm, I'm on a, I'm on a rant. 
<laughs> Once that pen gets picked up, <laughs> watch out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But yeah, okay. So let me go back to the question, which was, have we given ourselves over to corporations too much? Is that kind of the question? That That's a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think we have. It's not a new phenomenon, but it's a more apparent one these days because the the level of monopoly and oligopoly that we're experiencing now where there's just a handful of players that absolutely dominate and dominate at a global level like it used to be a region maybe a country level or a state level or you know it was things were regionalized but now these companies are big enough that they are global monsters and yeah they are basically more powerful than states they have a greater gdp than many countries apple's turnover is bigger than many countries I, I don't have the stats in front of me but i've heard it said before so yeah i think it's a real concern you could say a government for example let's say the federal government of australia that would be in sense in a sense an ultimate monopoly right uh, if you want to talk about very basic business terms it is the overarching ruler of the country and it makes the policies and the laws very much like a corporation would the difference is that when we pay tax or we vote if something goes wrong there's generally in an idealistic sense, this idea that if something goes wrong, they are accountable and we have some method of voting them out or changing things if don't if they don't work or they shut down. With a corporation, other than the push and the sway of shareholders, if Apple decides to switch something off or do something particularly egregious, we don't have that power, even though we have technically voted for them in an economic sense by buying their devices and paying for their services. So they do the same thing. They run different forms of infrastructure. For me, the thing that's uncomfortable is about it is that they don't necessarily have that level of accountability or we don't have that level to influence them the same way that we would with our own government. Yeah, I think that's part of the, I mean, that's the only thing I would say to that is that you know that going into it, that, that was not a surprise. They, we did not go in having voting rights and then at some point that was switched off upon entering a contract with them. I'm sure we actually probably did enter a, an actual contract by, <laughs> by by checking some box, but South Park covered the iTunes terms and conditions a while ago. <laughs> yes, I think so. Yeah, so it's like it, yes, I you're correct, but this mm. was all known going into it, and it's a hundred percent of. Does that make it okay though? Absolutely. It, it if it does or it doesn't, I feel like it's kind of irrelevant. It's a choice that was made knowingly by each of us, and. You could say, well, we have to have this device or that device. And yes, that's somewhat true to an extent, but it is a known thing. This is not a surprise. We don't go in blind. I think we go in blind, willingly blind, because we choose to just say, well, I'd rather have the cool thing or the the fun thing or the whatever thing. And I kind of don't care about the other stuff until it becomes a problem. And then it's like, oh, shit. Now I care, but I'm already in, so, you know, there's this like, oh, I'm in so deep now. I've got all this stuff. I can't leave. And it's like, also not true. You you can, wh whether you can, you know, financially or whatever, you can physically leave and, and stop using all of their stuff tomorrow. Is that an easy decision? Absolutely not. So most people don't. But I still think there is at least a little bit of hope there in the sense that Yes, you can vote in the sense of like pick. A, I'm not even going to use a real company. Let's just say there is a company you buy a lot of stuff from. You've been using them forever. They do a lot of stuff that makes you mad and you rage tweet about it all day long. It's like the way you're going to enact any change is by leaving the platform. 
if you don't like the way that they control what you're doing, you leave. It's going to be painful. They may or may not feel anything from you leaving individually, but as enough people leave, the thing that's going to make them care is we used to make this much. Now we make this much. What the hell happened? And and it's a slow process. It's not going to be fast, but I'm rambling now a little bit just because it, it, it gets to be a little bit, I guess, tiresome of when we hear so much of the complaining about all these companies, but yet then we don't do anything about it. We just kind of complain and say, hey, we're complaining. Why don't you change? And I understand that is a method. But at some point, you have to understand that maybe that's not going to work. And the option is going to be maybe more painful for you. But at the end of the day, if you feel better about it, then you're you're better off for it. Uh, you've actually reminded me of a point that was in, uh, if you've ever read or heard of the book Sapiens. Have either of you read that? I have read it. I, I've heard of it. I've not read it yet. Great book. I'm pretty sure it's in that one of the three that Harari wrote, but he made this point that the only thing that really binds together all of humanity in a form of trust so that can make any stranger trust another stranger is money. And the point you made there about the only way that an individual can really enact change, particularly when it concerns corporations or neoliberal entities, like Andrew said, is take your money elsewhere. So I think by and large, like you were saying, people complain about these companies. I'm generally very satisfied personally with a lot of things that Apple does or at least says that it's doing. It could always improve. Every Mm -hmm. tech company particularly or any other kind of company really can improve. But I think you're exactly right. The only thing that will really make all of them sit up and take notice or do something differently is if the money is seen to disappear because money is truth. And just um, you brought up the book Sapiens. Just to add to the Hemispheric Views book corner, I just recently finished a book called The Value of Everything. Making and Taking in the Global Economy by Mariana Mazzucato. Quite a mouthful, all of that. But it's really interesting. It, it talks about where do we consider corporations versus government and who is, who's creating value, who's a rent seeker. We put up on a pedestal the idea of bankers and banking corporations, for instance, but are they truly creating value or are they just rent seekers in the economy clipping the ticket on the way through a really interesting book thought provoking and um probably a little bit aligned to this conversation there we go so andrew's done two things accidentally really well he's accidentally brought in andrew recommends all over again Mm -hmm. and you did awesome homework for this segment didn't mean to do it just you know a sign of my nerdery (laughs) plus we have book corner now yeah and i recommend it so if i recommend it i need to give it a certain number of thumbs I will give this book three and a half thumbs. Yeah, mm. it gets it okay. starts off with a bang, gets going, gets a little bit, a little bit dry in the you know the last second third of the book. Push on, there you go, three and a half. So ironically, as you push on, it presents less value. Yes, yeah, I, I think it's I think it was probably written in the sense that nobody will actually get to the end of this book, right? They'll read the first bit and put it down and never come back to it. I actually read the whole thing. Yeah, the last four chapters were literally just Laura Mipsum. <laughs> it was like, this is weird. <laughs> Do you know, if you read enough Laura Mipsum, it's like severance and the numbers and you start to get a feel for them. So, Jason, you did something with a 13-inch iPad. Boy, did I. I'm going to screw up a lot of the terminology here, but I work from home now 100% of the time. And I'm at my little command center here, which is my iMac. And... Working from home means you have basically one option for physically talking to people if you need to, which is something like a Zoom, right? And 
I found it to be annoying that I would have, much like I'm looking at right now talking to you guys, I have the zoom up at the top with the little windows, which kind of takes up a quarter to a third of my screen. So if I want to be looking at other documents or whatever, they're kind of now real short and at the bottom, it's not, it's not ideal. So here's what I'm doing. I have taken a 13 inch iPad, which I don't really use for anything anymore. And that is now mounted on top of my iMac. What? As an external display. On top? On the top. How? So right above the camera. So that now if I look up at the screen, which is now my dedicated like zoom window, the camera is still right there. So I'm still looking at everyone. They're all up in a box. I have my full desktop to do whatever else I need to do no impact on me and i have it plugged in with a usb-c cable so it's usb-c connected sidecar so there's like no input lag at all it's perfect and it works from control center the super cool thing i was really concerned i was like ah shoot i'm gonna have this ipad up there i'm gonna have like a burned in menu bar on it because it's gonna be sitting up there not being used if you just hit the power button on the ipad the screen will go to sleep doesn't lose connection it's still connected as a full display so as soon as you just tap the screen it's instantly back on no reconnecting no nothing it's not an ugly monitor it fits the aesthetic of my iMac nicely I didn't even know that you could do that I mean I knew you could do it I just never really tried it and it is phenomenal as a second monitor it's gorgeous can we just get back a step yes when you're running zoom are you running zoom on the iPad, like the zoom on the i no no no. I'm just I'm using the iPad truly as an external monitor, so it's a secondary monitor. So this is this is sidecar, like you said. It's not universal control. Not universal okay. control. It is sidecar. And so what do you put up in that? To- you put the heads. You put the zoom heads in that iPad window. Mm-hmm. I put the whole everything that zoom lives up there. It's 13 inch screen, plenty big to see whatever's going on. And if the reason I don't just do zoom on a separate iPad is inevitably, oh, I need to share something now, but I'm on my iMac. Like, uh, now I've, yeah. I'm on two separate things. How does that function? None of that. It's just a nice external display. How much Bluetooth are you using to mount an iPad above an iMac? So this is going to be an Elgato for whatever their arm thing is called. And then that goes to a magnetic mount that connects to that so it just magnets to it and it just sits up there and that's it i don't get it i don't get how it's hanging onto an imac it's not physically touching the imac it's levitating gracefully it's it's yeah it's quite literally levitating right above my imac without touching it so it doesn't interfere with any of the microphones or cooling or any of that stuff I'll send you some diagrams. I'll put some diagrams and photos so you can see. Can't visualize how it's, you say it's floating. What's it attached to? Is it a visa mount? What, what's going on? I'm confused. Kind of. It's kind of a, of a visa mount. Yeah. Yeah, basically. I say visa. I say visa wrong, don't I? Visa, visa. Tomato, tomato. I say it like the credit card. Yeah. But any, the, the takeaway here. Caught up in the detail, right? <laughs> <laughs> the takeaway is that an iPad connected via USB is an outstanding external monitor. Hmm. And the, I was a little worried about like the lag. And then I was worried that if the screen went to sleep, it was going to think that the monitor disconnected and 
all that. But with all the M stuff, like remember back on, on Intel, Andrew, you're familiar with Intel. <laughs> Am I ever? Um, when you would, when you would connect or disconnect a monitor, it would like your screens would all flash and turn off and all that crap. Yep. And then with all of the new Apple Silicon stuff, all that went away. It's just connect, you're done, disconnect, you're done. Nothing happens. We're finally in a position now where external monitors are fantastic to connect to computers. Hmm. It only took us till 2022. Well, I'm keen to see this in the show notes. Maybe chapter artwork. That's good. I don't think most people care about this stuff, given some of the meetings I'm sure people are in. You can tell people don't care. <laughs> I like it oh, to be as nice wow. as possible. Thank- I hope none of your colleagues are listening to this. <laughs> I don't, I don't mean my meetings. I mean, other people that are listening right now, I'm sure are in <laughs> meetings every day where there's, you know, the nose cam and the, they're looking in a different direction. Most people don't even have their camera on, which is annoying in a whole nother respect, but yeah, it's uh, it's great. So if you need a little external monitor action, do it. It's fantastic. Okay. Can I suggest you do a blog post? about this. I think this is worthy of. I could do a blog post about that. I could do a oneprimeplus.com newsletter about it as well. Okay. For April. I don't even have a pen right now and I'm businessing. You don't use a second screen at all, do you, Martin? You have no second screen? No, I've I've done it like at work before. This is in the pre-pandemic days, but I've never liked it. Um, to me, it's ergonomically off. It seems wasteful with space on the desk. I respect people need more space and they might like it, but things are off center. Do you put them angled towards you and you're never really looking straight ahead? To me, one rectangle, large, enough. Agreed. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. I I literally only do this so that I can keep that one screen Mm -hmm. to content. And the fact that it's centered above your display makes sense as well, because to the side is like this. uh, What am I doing? It's angled with it. Yep. I've got a second monitor here. It's a Dell, mm. which Hannah, re- Hannah, yeah, she wants the new Apple one. She rejected this Dell 24-inch 4K thing. I actually can't, bl- I can't, can't blame, blame her. her. Can't blame her. It's really annoying. It never seems to be at the right resolution. Was that like a 28-centimeter 20, bezel on that thing? The bezel's actually not bad. And it can rotate. I had it for a while on a portrait orientation. Of course you did. Spreadsheet guy. Seems like a missed opportunity. In your household, you should call it a bezel. Oh, my goodness. Oh, boy. Okay, let's move on. And he's editing, so that's staying in. (laughs) You betcha. (laughs) That segues to a nice next topic about uttering sorry. I think you need a sorry after that joke, Martin Feld. I am hugely intrigued by this well it's my topic but i won't be apologizing for anything what what uh, <laughs> sorry jason i i've i've been looking at this topic for for weeks now and i i please tell us more cool well <laughs> i thought this was a weird <laughs> cool story moving on cool no i was taking in your point mm-hmm. yep i got no, it no, no, i'm glad that it's I, i'm glad that it's intrigued go ahead marcus i think it's <laughs> I think it's an interesting cultural point, and I wanted to know particularly if Andrew could relate to it and if Jason could rebut it or say that maybe Americans are similar oh. or not. So something that I've noticed is that when you go to a cafe in Australia, right, or a restaurant- Or a Mick cafe. There is, yes, there is a very high degree of 
apology. Sorry. Frequent apologies unnecessarily. Yep, that's right. For everything, right? So- Sorry, question from who to who? Is this customer to customer, customer to It actually to goes both ways between customer and staff, but particularly from staff. And I'm talking about, mm. you know, all ages. Not everyone does it, but it's, it's pretty frequent. Mm. And I noticed it recently where we were waiting two or three minutes to be seated when people were busy. We got a sorry for that. We sat down, all of the cutlery in the bucket or the little pail in the middle of the table hadn't been replenished exactly on time. We got a sorry for that. Um, they didn't come straight away, you know, with the menus and we got a sorry for that. But we're talking about minimum amount of time. And then we waited a reasonable amount of time for our food and drinks because surprise, surprise, everything had to be prepared after we ordered it. And we got a sorry for how long it took. Sorry. It's just constant sorries. And I thought I'm someone who probably apologizes too much. I remember even being in year six at one point and being told by the teacher in front of everyone, Martin, you apologize too much. And I unwittingly or said unintentionally said sorry in front of the class <laughs> for doing of course it. You did. And I think, is that an Australian thing? So <sighs> Andrew, first yeah. of all, does this exist in Perth, this frequent apology rather than thanking for patience or it's like everyone's always at fault. I mean, I'm also an over-apologer and I've noticed my son has inherited the same trait and we're mm. sort of trying to square that because I realize yeah. that's a, you don't want to be that because I'm, I'm that guy. Don't be that guy. Don't have to always apologize. But yes, there is. I've got the pen back. There is too much. Pen's back. There are too, there's too much apologizing going on and you're right. Every experience in a cafe is attached to it, some sort of apology or sorry. I think Jason's first initial reaction might be this is probably Australian's defensiveness against the Karen. But I think the sorry predates the Karen. I don't think we're we're worried that Martin Feld is going to turn into Karen because he had to wait a minute for his food or his cutlery wasn't there. It really is, a, I think, a cultural thing that we apologise. Oh, sorry, mate. Oh, sorry. I, I can think back to recently in a cafe, similar experience, and, you know, there was me and another person and you're kind of forming a half line because you're kind of waiting to take your order, but it's a bit, it's not a clearly defined line. And you do that, oh, mm. oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, you know, you're trying to look at the food, the little food and the little window cabinet thing. Oh, sorry, sorry. And yeah, there's a lot of apologizing. So, Martin, I think you've nailed it. I think you found something that is particularly Australian. I doubt it's American. Totally habitual. I, I'm going to go out and say Americans won't do this. They'll just be like, I'm not apologizing to that chump. I think Americans are much more self-confident <laughs> and they wouldn't be apologizing. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, I think the first thing I would say is that there's two different versions of this. There is the overly apologetic person. I would say I fall into that category just that mostly when it's warranted, or at least I feel that it's warranted if I... You know, if you bump into somebody, sorry about that. You know, no big deal. If it's something like the food took a reasonable amount of time to come, I think that's just part of customer service. It's just a a standard thing. No one's actually sorry for anything. Mm. It's just become a thing that you say just in case the person happened to not be like, it, it's a disarming thing of on the off chance. They did care that there was only three knives in the bucket and not seven. Then it's fine. And it kind of puts the, them on the defensive now to say, Oh no, no, it's okay. It's okay. Don't, don't worry about it. Right. It kind of sets you up to be disarmed. 
So I don't think a lot of that is very intentional in terms of being sorry. That being said, I think it happens here quite a lot. It's obviously going to change where you go. Okay. But I feel like that's fairly common in, in terms of, of most people do that. I, I, oh, the other thing I think I forgot to say, the, the second half of that is the the group that will use the sorry as a way to do something wrong anyway. Like, uh, what's an example? Like they uh, get out of jail free card. Yeah, or like a uh, like they cut in line and they go, "Oh, sorry about that," and then they just stay there. And you're like, "So you're, that's just like you're you're at, you're fine mm. now. We're good." Okay, so there's kind of that sorry too, which is subtle but annoying compared to the one that's just like, "Ah, sorry, I didn't give you enough menus," or "Sorry, your you know coffee is not good," or whatever. So yeah, I think. I think that's pretty common, though. I don't think that's really... I don't find that to be weird in terms of you guys saying that. Maybe maybe it isn't culturally unique. Uh, I do feel like it is happening more and more frequently, though. And I kind of wonder if it's... A, like, it sounds like a bad thing to me that someone should do that. Because if I go in, I would rather be thanked for my patience or given a positive reinforcement or message. Because then you feel like, oh, you know, this is a positive place. And they're very confident about themselves. And... If you constantly apologize, then it's actually implicitly suggesting that something was always wrong. Mm. Like you, you're in this cafe experience where oh, things are constantly going. Yeah, they did take a little while. I imagine that some people wouldn't be so forgiving. And, that, you know, after the 15th sorry at this cafe <laughs> visit, you go, wow, like a lot went wrong during that time. Whereas if it was, you know, oh, thanks for coming and oh, thank you for waiting. I'll show you to your seat now. It just has a different vibe mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. And maybe it's even a, you know, maybe it has increased, you know, if I'm not imagining it. I think people generally are becoming more impatient. You know, there's this whole thing that people won't stay for beyond two seconds of a YouTube video that they're not interested in. Uh, people expect instant gratification and service. So maybe like you say, Jason, it is just to be disarming because it's out of the way. People won't run away. I think for, I think the, Maybe the larger, it's not a problem, but the thing that it tends to do unknowingly is that it will now draw attention to something that probably wasn't an issue to begin with, where it's like, oh, sorry about that. And you're like, "I oh, I didn't even, I mean, me personally, I'm like, I I was oblivious. I didn't even know that there were no forks. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) sure. Um, I know like in previous jobs, that was always a big issue for for me personally. It, w- it drove me a little nuts if you'd be in a meeting or whatever, and like there was some kind of issue with something, like the mm. like a you know, pick whatever, like the slides didn't work right or something. And then for the remainder of the the day, everyone had to consistently like, oh, sorry about those technical difficulties earlier. And it's like that happened two hours ago. Everyone forgot. Move on. All you're doing is bringing it back up to everybody. <laughs> so that there's that issue too, where it's like sometimes just doesn't need to be said. It's fine. Everyone well, knows once is me. enough. Yeah, we're good. But do you know, actually, your office example is great, but just to the ba- back to the cafes for a second, do you mm. know who I think really needs to apologize? Mm. Table manufacturers. Yeah. Because there's always at least one table that you get stuck with, right? And you think the year is 2022 mm. yeah. and it's rocking, right? Do you have a ruler or a measuring tape? Do you have industrial machinery with pinpoint laser precision that will enable all table legs to be the same height or length? 
And then on top of that, who are these people who are creating flaws that if the table is correct and is properly made, that it makes it rock? Why is this a thing? Also, we've known about the tripod for a very long time. <laughs> yep. We don't need four legs. Three, that's going to fix almost all those issues. Yeah, so exactly. You go out with a, a tripod for your camera. It doesn't have four legs. You're trying to balance on the side of a cliff. No, it's got three because it works everywhere. So just make all your tables with three legs. McDonald's even addressed this this issue by just giving it like the monopod treatment and sticking it straight into the floor. Oh, yeah. Like, you can't just even move it down. down. Yeah. No, yeah. That's not going yeah. anywhere. Yeah. Earthquake doesn't matter. Nobody's stealing that table. Nor would you want to. <laughs> no. I, uh, maybe I'd want one. I don't know. We'll see. I like that yellow color. <laughs> All right. Well, can I just say I'm very happy with uh, your reactions to that. I thought there would be responses and thoughts. Um, and I'm interested to know what... Uh, other listeners think I'm not going to set homework because I think I've become a bit notorious for that. For those who listen to this show, if you have thoughts, please feel free, you know, please feel free to share them. There's no expectation from me. I'm not even going to apologize for previous times because that would be too much, yeah. but I'm seeking to improve for the future. If you want to send us an apology though, you can do that. That's okay. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be for anything. Just okay. send an apology. Just a quick, sorry, would be much appreciated. And we'll say it's fine. Don't worry about it. I've got Media Corner. Right. It's Turbo Media Corner. It's going to take 30 seconds. Ready? Media Corner. Turbo Media Corner. Set a timer for 30 seconds. Is it going? Are we going? Go. Go. I went to the cinemas. I went out in the world. I saw a movie called Uncharted. I knew nothing of the movie. Where was this? Was this in Perth? This was in Perth. Don't take my 30 seconds. Yeah. It was in gold, gold class. Lovely experience to sit and watch a movie. I knew nothing mm. of the movie. Yeah. I turned on, they started up and it was a movie brought to you by PlayStation. I was like, what the heck? Turns out they're making, Four, they're making three, movies based on games, two, not games based on one. movies. End of media corner. Thank you so much, Andrew. This has been a great segment. Uh, <laughs> no, I'll let you that finish. That was it. I was done. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. It was a garbage movie. <laughs> Did you even say the name of the movie? I'm not even sure if we caught Uncharted. That. What was it? Oh, Uncharted. Got I it. feel like, I feel like I can tell that from seeing the trailer. I hadn't even seen the trailer. We just went. It was a rat. We had a t we had a free ticket, oh. a gift that was given to us about two years ago, had to be used. We just had the opportunity where babysitter was available and we went for it. It was like what movie is playing at this theater at this time? It would have just been whatever whatever was on. Turned out it was Uncharted. And that was the only movie available at that time? Correct. Oh, okay. So there was no choice in movie. So how many thumb how many Andrew thumbs was that? that it's like was... a fingernail? Oh. Of a thumb? But it is still from the thumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the it's the thumbnail. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just want to make sure we're not into venturing into like other oh, fingers no, 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 now because no, no. we'll then we have to do calculations no. and there's no, math no, no, involved. No. Keeping okay. A bit of fungus? Is there a bit of fungus on the nail? No, but it's mm. been it's been chewed on. Oh right, so it's a bit manky. Yeah. God, this mm. is yeah, this is triggering. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um. So Uncharted. There you go. That was Media Corner. There you go. Check out his um unboxed or whatever that website's called where you do movie reviews. <laughs> I think I might have put one is on it there. Unch it's unboxed. Yeah, follow me. I, I do my, um, I do reviews on that. Unboxed. Letterboxed. 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 No. Letterboxed. It was something with a box. 
Okay. New Zealanders might. Did you review that one? Yeah. Oh, okay. Do you actually write reviews or are you just like a star? I write write a one. I try and do a one sentence for most movies. I did. I watched a movie last night and just gave it stars. Couldn't even be bothered writing a sentence. Wow. Jason, don't you remember when I had my uh, no blinking silent response to his Matrix (laughs) sentences on there? It was like, movie was shit. More albinos, (laughs) plus. Like... (laughs) 